Uh, so I thought, okay, yes, l there is a lot of data here. Maybe I could use uh, my machine learning uh, skills in order to get something out of this data. And then I went into these uh, betting uh, websites and I say, okay, maybe I can uh, uh, gain uh, some cash here, like uh, by winning the odds. Very good, very good. Thank you. Thank you for having me. In here I have uh, you, Akim, as well. Yes. Hello, everyone. So, uh, Cesar, we, we're going to talk a little bit about um, about many different topics. Normally, what we do in this podcast is that we talk a little bit about your background and then we talk about uh, a little bit about very interesting stock topics like... Um, um, bloating of uh, coding and uh, we will talk a little bit about uh, software um, uh, supply chain uh, which I think is fantastically interesting in these days um, so uh, so let's start a little bit uh, of your background so Caesar you're from Cuba right yes I'm from Cuba and uh I I did a bachelor in computer science there yeah and then a master yeah and then I came here to uh, Stockholm in 2018 to yeah. do a PhD in computer science, which I have finished. Wow, wow, wow. So, so you know, we Swedes, we don't know very much about Cuba, right? So we know Havana. Uh, so where are you from in Cuba? Where are you from Havana, actually? Or are you from somewhere else? No, uh, I am in a kind of more in the center of the country in a city called uh, Santa Clara. Yeah. Uh, which uh, is well known because it's one of the main cities where uh, Che Guevara uh, wow. did uh, his uh, military actions and now his uh, ashes uh, remains uh, there in a ah. beautiful monument yeah. that uh, a lot of people uh, that uh, used to visit. So so have you visited? Uh, yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Cool. So, so then you uh, you did your masters right in Cuba, and uh, did you do it in Santa Clara, or did you have to move? Yes, I did it in Santa Clara because yeah. uh, in Cuba there are three major universities. Yeah. Uh, one in La Habana, one in Santa Clara, uh, and the other one is in uh, in a city uh, called Santiago de Cuba. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So then you were sitting in Cuba and you were looking at different uh, options, right? Yes. Uh, and why did you find Sweden? Well, uh, basically, uh, Sweden is one of the best countries to do a PhD, uh, according to the research that I did back in the time. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, I just look at the best places for PhD students in terms of uh, some variables that I took into account, including uh, good uh, work-life uh, balance. Yeah. Uh, good culture and also very important is the language because uh, some of the good countries uh, have this uh, drawback regarding the language. Uh, for example, uh, I applied to countries in which uh, English was not widely speaking. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, spoken. But in uh, the case of uh, Sweden, uh, it's quite it's quite easy for international students because uh, uh, almost everybody in Stockholm speak English uh, fluently. 
before we come to Sweden, actually, I would like to go back a little bit to your master degree. Uh, can you tell me about your master degree and a specific what you what you did uh, your master's degree upon? Because I find that very interesting. Yes, uh, my master degree was about sport analytics. Yeah. Uh, uh, and what time before we move on? What time are we talking about here? Yeah, we uh, we saying like uh, one year after finishing my bachelor is is uh, 2014. Wow, so you were early adopter then, I would say. Yes, and uh, back at, back in the time uh, it was a lot of uh, machine learning, uh, getting traction, and uh, specifically I was interested in applied machine learning, yeah. like uh, applying. Uh, these uh, these tools and technique into real world problems, and I get in contact with uh, professional trainers of uh, sport players, and then uh, we agree that uh, we could do something together, and then I developed tools and uh, machine learning algorithms to improve the performance of the of the players in uh, different sports. Actually, uh, I worked in uh, in mostly baseball, football, water polo. Uh, so yeah, I covered a lot of uh, ground in terms of data collection and analysis. Cool, cool, cool. So so can you tell me a little bit about uh, water polo? Because I find that a very interesting sport. What did you do with um, machine learning, applied machine learning for water polo? Yes, well, in the, in the case of water polo, uh, I got in contact with the, with the team and I was interested in the, in the way they uh, prepare before the actual game. Uh, so uh, at that time uh, it was done uh, using cameras. So they put one camera above the pool and then several cameras uh, on the sides. And then the, the movement of the players and the ball was tracked and then uh, the video was recorded and using this uh, tool that they, they, they software solution for that uh, so they track the movement of the player in order to analyze the game like the like the competitive uh, advantage in some situations of the game and uh, back in the days this was done pretty much manually uh, so my contribution in this case was developing uh, a software tool to to do this more uh, automatically. So cool, yeah, really interesting. So then you decided. So we had you had created this program and um, um, in your masters, and then you uh, decided to move to Sweden, right? Um, so. What did you do uh, the first time here when you come to Sweden? What was the first thing you did? Uh, or what was the first impression of uh, Sweden when you came here? Oh, it was just such a big jump Yeah. in terms of uh, ah, so many aspects in life. Uh, uh, let's, to keep it simple, uh, everything was just really amazing. Uh, got in love with uh, Sweden, with the Stockholm since the first time the 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 culture uh, Sweden is so uh, so clean <laughs> so uh, quiet yeah and uh, everything like in the city is yeah. so well taken care and yes uh, I just find it amazing like uh, and also the work environment is 
quite good for employees and uh, I came as a PhD student. Which university did you come to? At KTH. Yeah, cool. Yes, yeah. which is, uh, yeah, the campus is located in the pretty nice uh, area in the in the city, like in between uh, the city center and the nature. Um, yeah. Yes. What did you do your PhD on? What was the subject? My, my PhD was about uh, devoting mm. and uh, specifically for JVM based languages. Yeah. And uh, I worked a lot on devoting Java dependencies mostly. So, yeah. I, I'm guessing that a lot of people um, knows what that is, but I'm guessing uh, there are a lot of people who don't know. Can you just give me a one minute pitch? What is uh, bloating when it comes to development? Yes, just, just a really short intro to what it is. Yes, absolutely. So uh, basically uh, today uh, software is getting more, more and more complex. Uh, in the sense that uh, in order to uh, quickly develop uh, software solutions, we need to have a, lo lo a lot of uh, uh, artifacts, software artifacts from uh, different sources like external repositories, for example. Once you build your application, you uh, want to reuse as more code as possible in order to uh, develop quickly. And this creates a, a problem, which is called software bloat. Um, basically, it means that your application contains code that is uh, not developed by, by, by you as, a, as an author of, uh, of your software, but is developed by others. And all of this code uh, co could contain a part that is uh, necessary to you, but it also may contain a part that is not necessary. And then uh, the bloating is uh, uh, about software techniques to automatically remove the parts that are not necessary. So your application will be uh, more clean in the sense that it's going to contain only the software part that you actually need. Cool. Um, so, so that's also touching an area that we talked about, about software um, uh, supply chain, right? And that touch also a little bit around security. Can you explain a little bit about that? Because it's a kind of a hot topic, security, right? Yes. Uh, today, uh, as I mentioned, uh, there are so many uh, software artifacts in external repositories, and these are called software dependencies. And uh, the software supply chain of an application contains, among other many other things, uh, all the dependencies that are necessary to build and run the application. And in the case of uh, uh, applications that are uh, critical, uh, this is a major concern yeah. for, for the developers and uh, companies as well, uh, because all of these uh, applications may contain uh, vulnerabilities that are not uh, in control of the developers, but it are in control of the of the authors of the dependencies. Yeah. Yeah. Think about open source solutions, for exactly. example. Yeah, which we all use uh, every day without knowing it. So, so cool. So, so how can you give us an example where where 
where you where where this has been a problem just to Yes, uh, a, a very famous one was the low4j vulnerability that uh, affected uh, almost the whole uh, uh, Java applications on the internet. Yeah. And uh, I think this was a kind of an inflection point in which uh, people actually pay attention to, to the issue of software supply chain because uh, suddenly all the major banks in the world were uh, concerned mm. uh, and were affected by by an issue that was like uh, dot down did down in the dependency tree of the software solution there was uh, a dependency who almost nobody knew about <laughs> yeah. before uh, causing a major vulnerability yeah. uh, in critical systems so yeah this is uh, one of the Uh, more uh, widely known examples yeah. of uh, of the issue with uh, maintaining and securing software supply chains. And I guess that that uh, in uh, that security problem, I guess it's here to stay, right? Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But what 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 do you think developers that is using this kind of all all developers do it? But do people think about it, or what is a good recommendation how to think of it how should a developer using all of these dependencies how should they think is there any tooling best practices uh, how should i do it i think the, there are many angles to to address in order to mitigate this problem uh, first things is to know your dependencies yep. and uh, and for this uh, there are currently tools that helps a lot. Uh, think about the SBOOMs. Uh, SBOOM stands for uh, Software Builds of Materials, uh, which comprises uh, tools that uh, you can use in order to to list all the software artifacts that are necessary to build your applications. Uh, so this is the first step, is to actually know what is the software components that you are shipping mm. to, to your customers. Yep. Um, then uh, another step is to have tools to analyze those components. Uh, and then you need to analyze uh, from different uh, perspectives. Uh, you need to analyze, for example, uh, first of all, if they have uh, security vulnerabilities. Yep. And for this, There are many solutions that uh, will uh, analyze the code, the dependencies uh, again, the uh, CV, uh, SCV's uh, database uh, of uh, vulnerabilities. And then uh, another aspect is to analyze which of these artifacts do you actually need? Yeah. Because uh, Today, uh, these uh, dependency trees contains a lot of artifacts that uh, may not be necessary. So these are the main steps uh, in summary. First, know, knowing what you actually need. And secondly, having tools to, to clean and to keep in control the complexity. So, sounds good. So, <clears throat> talking about 
uh, analytics and what, what you've been doing in the machine learning. Uh, what, what do you think is the biggest trend in machine learning today for developers? Uh, We've seen so many use cases, uh, uh, but a person like yourself working with it today, what, what is the trend? What, what should people look for? What, what, uh, what should they do and what should they not uh, look into? Well, of course, uh, today, uh, large language models, of course, uh, saying uh, ChatGPT, and uh, yeah, this is actually is taking over the whole uh, interest and attention, uh, these models. But uh, I would like to mention that, okay, this is trendy today, yeah. but uh, still most of the real world systems is still, I believe, use like techniques that are not as uh, uh, trendy. Think about the traditional uh, supervisor learning. Yeah. Uh, and most of the current solutions in uh, serious business uh, still relies on regression, uh, super vector machines, decision trees, for example, to, to actually uh, give the predictions and uh, since of course the world of uh, AI is advancing so rapidly it's very hard to say uh, if this all of these uh, uh, companies are going to adopt the new the new technologies in order to improve the prediction improve the the performance of their systems uh, but uh, yeah, this is a quite an interesting uh, area, which is uh, developing quite quite fast. Yeah, and to some uh, people too fast, right? Uh, so people are actually concerned about uh, what what will happen with AI and um, how how quick it will actually be. And do do you see any risk uh, with the development we we see today? Well, I believe uh, that. Uh, Today, AI is basically uh, advancing so rapidly that it's, it's very hard to, to predict. Uh, for the moment, I can only list uh, benefits uh, for developers yeah. uh, of adopting this technology. Uh, so far, AI for me is like a very advanced uh, tool that you can use to improve the day-to-day -day, uh, work uh, in case of developers. Uh, for example, think of uh, GitHub Copilot. Uh, I use it a lot and it's really helpful. Like the suggestion that it gives uh, inside the IDE are pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, and ChatGPT is very good for creative uh, tasks. Like for example, uh, giving uh, quick recommendations, explaining code, uh, giving uh, documentations. Uh, so it's it's like a pretty advanced search engine that you can use to bootstrap your your work and just speed up whatever coding activity. But uh, so far, I, I I think of it more like a pretty advanced tool. Yeah. Uh, so no, I don't think that uh, developers uh, should be. Uh, should think that this is going to take over the jobs. Uh, I think that real world software development is much more complex than what 
an AI today could uh, could do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that was actually what we discussed with uh, uh, Lars uh, More, uh, the, our tech chef, <laughs> that uh, he, he also mentioned that uh, as a developer, you will get more support, but you will still need to think about the patterns and how to put the pieces together. And that uh, is still a lot of jobs. So I don't think that developers will be uh, over. Um, we will rather increase the number of developers that is being used because we're doing more and more applications, right? Uh, perfect. Uh, do you want to uh, catch up uh, with the next topic? Uh, yeah, so, so, so what are you working with today, uh, Cesar? I'm working as a data engineer yeah. in uh, SEB. Yeah. Uh, SEB is one of the largest uh, banks in uh, Scandinavia. Yeah. And I am working in the financial crime prevention yeah. team, uh, doing a lot of uh, big data analysis, uh, uh, machine learning, mm -hmm. and basically prevent preventing the fraudsters to to and bad actors to actually uh, steal people's money yeah <laughs> which which we know that people will try endlessly uh, to do unfortunately but so so is that um, is that a machine learning or would you say that that you're using AI for that probably uh, Machine learning, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's as I said, uh, AI is like a subset of machine learning, uh, but sometimes it's very hard to to see the threshold between them both. Uh, so the actually is not clear. It's a li little bit blurry to determine if you are using machine learning or uh, or AI in for some specific systems. Yeah. So so don't I, I understand that this is like. You, we cannot go too deep into the details here because um, of many reasons. But so basically, you give um, someone signals if something happens, if there is a fraud of some sort. Yes, that, exactly. That, that's what you do. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I've been part of the bank. I've been uh, not letting go of transaction, and I needed to call and say, "Hey, it's actually me doing this uh, by." Um, so. So it, it's, yeah, I would say your fault <laughs> or security that that actually happens, but I think it's a good way and uh, that we actually uh, s save money uh, for uh, everyone. I like that you say his fault. <laughs> 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 no, so, so, um, so good. Um, so where are we going now? Um, my, my idea was more to uh, find, um, so what, what do you see will be the future in fraud detection then i mean what do you foresee happening in the in the nearest future will we just keep on doing machine learning uh, on big massive amount of data or will there be a way where the systems will be smarter of detecting it earlier or what do you see will be the future in this area i think that uh, adopting a AI technologies would absolutely benefit to get in sense of this large amount of data. Um, the system that we have uh, today, most of them are uh, actually 
uh, analyzing uh, a lot of uh, a lot of data using uh, tools yeah. that uh, that basically analyze outliers yeah. in the data, and then uh, and then there is a there is of course a risk that uh, to have so many uh, false positive. Yeah. So today this is a, this is an issue, and probably in the future with AI we'll be able to analyze more specific data okay. and to collect mm -hmm. more data in order to make sense of it. Yeah, so, so I have a little bit of a funny question here. So, so in Sweden and uh, Western Europe, I will say, it's quite common uh, that we do uh, credit card payments. We have Swish in Sweden, you have Vips in Norway, whatever it's called. Everyone, every country has its own. So how do you do fraud detection in Cuba, you, you would say? Because I'm, I'm assuming here that you're not using credit cards in Cuba today that much as we are doing. No, uh, this, is, uh, this is one uh, thing that is very good in, in Sweden is that everything is digitalized uh, in the sense that, uh, you know, we are moving to uh, no cash in Sweden. Yep. Uh, but this is not the case for the rest of the world. So Sweden is at the forefront in terms of uh, financial uh, tools and artifacts for people for here everybody use swish yeah. and these tools which is the best uh, it's the it's the best way to secure safe transactions yeah. to people because uh, the transaction that no one knows that is actually a problem is the is the transaction that is made just by cash uh, this one is not recorded uh, anywhere, so it is in no database. Uh, <laughs> and in the rest of the world, this is uh, unfortunately uh, most the case. And this makes it hard to prevent bad actors to, to perform their uh, frauds uh, activities. So, yes, in this case, uh, Sweden is, uh, is a very good uh, place to actually deploy these software solutions. Cool, cool. I, yeah, I was quite surprised. I, I was in Italy uh, last week, uh, southern Italy, and you know, you go to these different markets, and even the market, you know, standing at the point of sales there, they actually take credit cards today in Italy. I was so surprised by that because I was 100%. Now we're talking about Sicily. We're not talking about Northern Italy. We're talking about Sicily here. And I was quite surprised how uh, that everyone is is using electronic payments again. Because I, as you said, it's a little bit difficult to uh, do fraud detection and, and, um, and uh, what is the other one called? Like tax evasion. Um, if you don't do electronic yeah. so I'm guessing to uh, the rest of the world uh, it's coming everywhere uh, and it's growing quite quite fast here as well which is fascinating so um, yeah I think we are getting a little bit close to um, to the end uh, yeah I actually um, wanted to um, ask a question or actually tell, tell a little bit of a story uh, that uh, we, we talked about Caesar uh, last week when uh, we, we had a meetup at AWS office uh, we had some sushi and uh, had a beer and then uh, it was quite a funny uh, story regarding uh, betting and gambling do you remember that story 
Yes. <clears throat> because um, we do have uh, several uh, betting and gambling companies as customer and uh, thought with your experience, or maybe if, if we do a lot of machine learning and uh, we can beat the odds and, and uh, you can actually uh, see, okay, now this team, uh, depending on the odds uh, do, do you want to share a little bit about the the, the story because i i thought it was a really good uh, story because i thought okay maybe i can uh, work with Caesar to, to gain some cash <laughs> <laughs> so uh yes as i mentioned before uh, i did my master on sport analytics yep. and uh, in many sports but uh, specifically uh, in the case of uh, baseball, which is the Cuban national sport, uh, I work in, in, a, in something that was pretty famous uh, at the time uh, because of the book Moneyball. Yep. And that was uh, after a movie, uh, which is basically uh, the application of uh, something called sabermetrics which involve uh, the collection of uh, data and statistics about all the players. And there are a lot of data in uh, baseball. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Baseball is well known for being a game in which you can get a lot of data because of the complexity of the game itself. Uh, so I thought, okay, yes, there is a lot of data here. Maybe I could use uh, my machine learning uh, skills in order to get something out of this data. And then I went into this uh, betting uh, websites and say, okay, maybe I can uh, uh, gain uh, some cash here like uh, by winning the odds. And uh, so I did. I collect a lot of data like uh, web scraping uh, all of these statistic uh, websites yep. and then on top of that I did some feature engineering of uh, uh, analytics and uh, then I create uh, machine learning models like uh, supervised machine learning model uh, do I did the hyperparameter optimizations all the things I uh, can uh, do at the time yeah and then uh, with a lot of data from the years and years of the MLB uh, uh, World Series, then uh, I tried to predict, like I compare my model against the, the actual outcome of, of the game. And uh, long story short, basically is, uh, sorry, but uh, you are not going to, get a lot of money if you try to to beat the 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 market is very very hard to predict the outcome of uh, baseball games <laughs> this is why was like my uh, final uh, conclusion yeah. conclusion about this uh, is is really really hard it's harder than what you think because uh, okay the intuition is okay there is a lot of data uh, you know um, everything almost about each player uh, how they perform it and so it should be the case that okay the the best thing should win but uh, it happens uh, in most of the cases but the problem is that uh, if you bet to the best team and it wins then you get less money yeah. than uh, if you do the the contrary if you 
saying that the that the weaker uh, team could win. So everything is adjusted in a way that is very, very hard to use machine learning or AI or whatever because it's so hard to predict the result of the game. But it, but it was a lot of learning for me, so I learned a lot about baseball yeah. and, uh, and machine learning and data and how hard real life is <laughs> for people seeking to, to get uh, some... Uh, advantage in this area yeah i thought it was a really really good story yeah. so thanks thanks for sharing that one uh, and yeah um I, I i thought i could make some money but uh, unfortunately I, I need to sell more cash <laughs> solutions no, yes. to get more money <laughs> that is uh, the fact yes um but um yeah uh, thank you so much for uh, for sharing uh, uh, that one so we, we covered uh, a lot uh, during this uh, 30 uh, minutes, talked about uh, analytics, machine learning, dependencies, uh, data, uh, all of security uh, as well. So yeah, I've, I've learned uh, a lot during today's uh, session. I uh, really, really appreciate it. Uh, uh, any final words from, from you, Gustav? Yeah, we always ask um, the interviewees, uh, what if I'm venturing into um, to, um, development, so I'm thinking about doing that, what would you do if you would start your career differently if you would start it today so so given that you would like to be a developer how would you uh, go about uh, kicking off your career in software development today well in my case uh, i have a very academic background uh, so i took like the traditional path uh, going to university, then uh, doing uh, the computer science uh, uh, courses, very traditional, a lot of math, a lot of uh, uh, algorithms, the full uh, range of knowledge. Uh, and then uh, I did something more uh, applicable during my master's. But uh, so it, th this path take a lot of time yep. and, and effort uh, but today I think uh, my recommendation would be uh, for developers that are starting is to go through real world hand-on projects so this is my this is what I would like it to do if I was uh, starting like actually building something it could be just a simple application, it could be just a web page, it could be some JavaScript, something uh, visual that motivates to, to keep going. So this for me is the best way to, to learn, it's just to apply, to learn something and then apply. Learning and applying. And yeah. the iteration over this uh, is the best way to me to actually learn and get experience. And today you can do this uh, quite easy because there are so many resources for free yeah. to do this. So so I guess included in what you're saying as well, find something that you're passionate about, uh, that you really would love to, like the, the betting thing for Major <laughs> League Baseball. Um, it w because you learn so much, right? When yes. you're doing something that you're interested in. And, and I, I think that goes for everything in life almost. So, so rounding it up, thank you so much for being with us here, Caesar. And um, 
and looking forward to uh, to hearing more from you in the future maybe you will come back uh, after some couple of years at it's a and we 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 will run this podcast then again yeah yeah yes thank you thank, thank you. you so much thank you so much